Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, where we talk with business leaders and innovators hungry to drive growth that can be faster than internal organic growth and less risky than acquisition. Your moderator is Bernal Dunkerspuler, Chief Sherpa and CEO at Realign, who has led private equity-owned distributors through turnarounds and growth. With battle-proven leaders from all frontiers, we want to provoke thinking about business growth beyond conventional wisdom and binary choices. Hey, I'm Benno, your host, talking today with Tom Ungrat, a lifelong business owner, former Vistage chair, Sherpa at Realign, the company that I run as my day job when I'm not doing podcasts. And uh, Tom, you're also facilitator of a group called uh, Mission Possible, a group of industry leaders in the gift and home industry. Tom, welcome to Third Growth Option Podcast. Thank you, Benno. So just as a quick introduction to our listeners here, Tom, you, you and your family have, have a really a long history of either running retail stores or serving vendors who serve retail stores and retailers, and uh, you've, you have supported the gift and home industry either through you know serving on boards or helping some of our clients, real-line clients, or for, for many years by hosting this group of leaders started out as a sort of biannual breakfast meeting during trade shows. And then during COVID, you started doing it, you know, doing Zoom calls in between the biannual trade shows. And I've always been amazed, you know, you have usually 20, 25, sometimes 30 participants. And I, I really kind of want to dig into that specific part of your journey, you know, building this community of industry leaders and this uh, Mission Possible community, you know, why and how and what did you learn during the journey and all of that. Paint the picture a little bit of Mission Possible. You know, who who sits at the table? What's the conversation? You know, we have, um, going back almost 17 years now, I've uh, put this group together, as you said, started at a table with four. It is 30, which is my limit at this point. But the whole purpose of this was, um, other than dedicating myself to the gift industry, gift and home industry, I knew there were many, many other CEOs, business owners that felt the same way I did. And there was no link, no group that was out there that addressed any of the serious situations, good or bad, in our industry. And I thought, if nothing else, and we all have meetings and you hope to come out of that meeting with one good idea that if I put this group together and uh, we came out of each meeting, which at the time was only twice a year, that it would benefit not only them potentially, but particularly the industry. So I'm really, really big on sharing. I handpick the people that are part of the group and I do that to keep a perfect balance of vendors, retailers, sales agencies, and a couple of show people are there, show owners and um, uh, trade, trade officers. Show, trade, show owners. trade show. I'm sorry, trade show Yeah, people. Mm-hmm. Over the years, it just continued to grow. People would ask me, how do I become a member of this group, if you will? And I said, you know, I'm the one that handpicks. I'm, I'm kind of the lone soldier. Nobody's uh, nobody Better be works nice with to me, me, you say, right? Better be nice <laughs> <Right>. to me. <laughs> yeah, and even then, there's no guarantee, that's for sure. But <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I, uh, I felt that uh, I would go after, since I'm doing this, go after the key 
players in the industry. And again, that's in my mind what a key player is, a successful company, a company that has been around a long time, somebody who is out front that I feel, again, would uh, benefit the industry once we got them all at a table. So that's really the mission, if you will, is it gets and unites gift and home leaders, makes for better decisions, creates a much wider perspective, and builds a strong, trusted network. And I want to emphasize trusted network because uh, that's what I think has kept this group together all these years. And as you know, it's voluntary. And that's what I think is uh, has been the key to the success. Talk to me a little bit about the types of topics, you know, subject matters that, you know, or su- subjects that come up uh, that, that we talk about in, in, in this Mission Possible community. Well, I think that, you know, it, it doesn't all necessarily or directly relate to the uh, gift and home market, but supply chain is a good issue. Lots and lots of coverage over the last year years on supply chain. And what we do is uh, I introduce the subject. The subjects come, a lot of them come, or topics come from the group. I moderate and facilitate the conversation and steer it in a direction that, again, would be useful for the people that are in the room. I'll give you an example. A container, a price of a container went way up during the supply chain process, and it dramatically affected a lot of the smaller people, vendors in our industry. Now it is starting to come back down, and uh, we would address the issues with the people as to what did you do? How did you convey that increase to the industry? Did you just raise your prices? Did you negotiate? Did you find different ways that you could fulfill the supply line? You know, people take notes, and uh, and I think that we came up with some nice alternate solutions for the people in the room. So that's one example of what we do. Labor, the labor issues, very, very intense. And at retail particularly, it's very difficult to find good people that want to work in retail and be on their feet all day for ungodly hours. And uh, we would talk about ways that you could retain your employees. And uh, we have, as I said, some retailers in the room that talk about some of their programs and some of their objectives as to how they go about keeping these employees and what they've done to be successful with it. So turnover isn't so high like it generally is. So those are two examples, uh, Benno, of what, uh, what we do. But we hit on a variety of topics. I mean, uh, whatever is current. It's really sort of current topics around raising revenues, lowering costs, doing a better job attracting customers, doing, you know, uh, new and innovative things to run the business. That's right. And, uh, you know, as we know, the um, B2B, B2C topics are strong and getting stronger. There's been outside companies like FAIR and others that have moved into the business, and we discuss how we can handle all of that, how sales agencies handle it, which are directly affected by it. We talk about uh, upcoming agenda is um, how do you define what a sales rep organization should do, agency should do, and how do you define or describe what a sales 
associate or representative should do when they approach your business. So, yeah, we get uh, down and dirty in certain areas, but, you know, in an hour and a half at each session, it goes by quickly. And I find it enlightening. And I think, obviously, the people do that are there. Well, I mean, you have people sort of knocking on your door wanting to join. You have CEOs, owners, executives of these three different types of companies, vendors and sales agencies and retailers that don't want to leave and then they keep showing up. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you and I had conversations, you know, over the last year or so about sort of naming the babies, what I call it. You, you, you ended up naming the group and this community Mission Possible and you came up with sort of a description of, you know, what this community is, the value proposition. Talk a little bit about the process of doing that. Was that easy or difficult? Was it, was it helpful? Was it a distraction? No, I think it was very helpful. And I think that every business, large or small, certainly needs to have some sort of value statement, mission statement, if you will, with uh, the assistance and through you as a Sherpa. It was fun to sit down and discuss this, bounce some ideas around. But after 40, almost 45 years in the business, it came fairly easy to me to put it together. And after 17 years of doing this, it's just a matter of putting it on paper. And I never did that before. And I think it's an exercise that was good for me and good for the group. And as you know, I send this out regularly and uh, certainly will mention it at every meeting so that uh, they understand. You and I are both old enough to to stop mentioning that we've done anything for a number of decades. But as helpful as number of years or decades of experience are, they are also a little bit of, not a hinderment, but you know the old saying, you can't read the label on the wine bottle if you're sitting inside the bottle. So I, th I think from that perspective, it was probably helpful for, for you and me to sort of talk about it together and you know, just have a sounding board on, on the outside a little bit. There's no question about it. And I, um, that's, uh, as you had mentioned uh, at the beginning, my uh, Vistage experience, I've been, I still am, part of several boards. And you put all that together and hope that when you throw it into the pot, it comes out in a way that is understood by everybody that's in the room. But you have to continue to refine it. I want to emphasize that, that, uh, you know, you have one good meeting, the next meeting has to be better than that one, right? Right, <laughs> right. It just raises the bar. <laughs> it raises the bar. And I want to make sure, again, when people come, they understand that the bar is, is relatively high and that I don't care to go back and replace people. I haven't had to do that, as you said. I've had a couple of retirements or people leave the industry. That's the only people that have ever left the group. So something seems to be working, Benno, and I, uh, I really enjoy it. So you and I are both part of different types of community. You know, I'm, I'm a Vistage member. You, you were a Vistage chair. We both serve on, on different boards. But I'm curious. So, so the difference between, or aid, one of several differences between the Vistage community and this Mission Possible community is Vistage groups are made up of non-competitive 
members, right? So, so you have, you know, one finance person, one operations person, one service person, one product person. So it's all non-competitors. But the Mission Possible community, it's all from the same industry. What advantages or disadvantages does that give? Well, I think there are some disadvantages and probably the biggest disadvantage is just to get people to build a trust so they open up and they participate, knowing that there are people across the table that uh, are potentially competitors. And when I do talk to these people, interview these people, and I interview them twice, when I bring them on board, I emphasize over and over again that it is a competitive environment, but that's not why we're there. We are there to move the industry forward, and we are there to share our best practices, if you will, as we get involved in discussions around the table. And I think it takes, uh, from my observations anyway, it takes uh, probably two, three, four meetings for someone to really become comfortable with sharing. And to be very honest with you, if they don't share, I pick on them. (laughs) I pull them out of the crowd. Yes. (laughs) And I think that, but that maybe puts them on the spot a little bit. But I think from that point forward, I've also observed that it really, really engages them in the process and lets them really understand that no one's there to collect dust on the table. You're, you're all going to participate. And again, we're limited to an hour and a half in a session and we've got to go. And as you know, most of the time, I have a very difficult time just getting through the agenda, which I think is the good news, bad news, but it just means that we are engaging people. I think it's absolutely good news because you do such a wonderful job of, of engaging people and of starting conversation and making sure that different, you know, sometimes opposite points of view are heard and and you do it in a way that is very, you know, not only professional but but also kind and respectful. You know, I'm I'm curious. You mentioned trust a couple times in this conversation and and how important it is to to build trust. How do you do that? How have you built trust? You know, I think uh, first of all, being very honest with them up front. When I have my initial conversations, I want to get to know them. As you know, this year I implemented a one-to-one process where one of the questions is topics you'd like to see, but the other five questions really related to them and their business and relaying to them uh, some of my feedback. But I think by the time we're done with that process and in some of the meetings, it automatically builds some trust. And I encourage them to talk to one another throughout the year, and I hear that they do that. I encourage them to call me anytime and uh, discuss a particular situation, and I would help them find a solution. So, you know, trust isn't something that just you turn a light bulb on and it's there. It's taken, quite frankly, many years to get that together. And now I think when people leave the meeting, they go out and they convey that same type of sentiment to other people. Because when I go out to look for somebody, which isn't very often, to fill any uh, retirements that I have, 99%, if not 100% of the people that I have 
contacted and talked to were familiar with the organization or the meeting. So there's sort of a buzz in the industry about it, isn't there? Yeah, and and you know, I think again, trust is something I built my company on. I've always firmly believed that that's uh, so important to be honest and trustworthy, no matter uh, good news, bad news. And as you know, we've gotten into some interesting discussions at the last couple of meetings on margin, for example. Retailers have a completely different outlook, uh, as some of the vendors do, and. Um, I don't want to say it got heated. What do you mean? The buyer thinks differently than the seller on margin? <laughs> yes. What do you think? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I imagine that. They do. But but the good news is, is it didn't stop conversation in the room. Yes, I have to moderate it or facilitate it a little bit. And I've, again, got to work to get through my agenda. But those are good, healthy discussions. And I believe, too, that everybody in the room respects everybody else in the room. And I think that goes along with the trust. So no magic secret or pencil here. I just think that it's something I love to do and I'm pretty good at it. And I felt that this was a way for me to give back to the industry all those years. And I'm just fortunate to be able to continue to do it. Here's a million dollar question for you. So you you have done this Mission Possible group around one of the trade shows, the Atlanta market, and you and I have had conversations about maybe, you know, amplifying that to get, uh, you know, brands and manufacturers and sales agencies and retailers that, you know, don't go to the Atlanta market, but maybe go to the Las Vegas market or the High Point market or Dallas market. What, what, what are some of the pros and cons of sort of taking that concept of building an in- industry community to multiple different trade shows around the country? Personally, I think it'd be a great idea. You know, all the markets are different in some form or another. All the markets represent different vendors, different retailers. So my belief is there is a need for it. I wanted to refine what I do, and I'm in the process certainly of doing that, but the door is open for discussion at other locations. I think that The people at the International Market Center have been very gracious and work with me, as did AMC, the Atlanta Market Center, before it was sold. So it just happens to be the home base currently. But I think in the long run that the information that's being tossed around in that room would be very, very beneficial to the entire industry. So I'll keep the door open. And... You know, one of the things that I think you do such a good job with is, you know, you bring a good mix of quality executives around the table and you do a great job of sort of fostering, nurturing, facilitating conversations, hot topics. And then one of the challenges is how do you keep those conversations going to the point of action, right? So it doesn't just become a, I just read a H.W. Bush biography, he used to call them uh, yellow legal pad conferences. You don't want it to just become a conference of, you know, or, or a, a meeting of people writing stuff down on their legal pad and then nothing ever happens. But I, I think you keep the conversation going by maybe working certain subjects, maybe working the same subject in subsequent meetings until there's a little bit of a resolution or until somebody can maybe 
report a little bit of a, hey, I've done this, I've taken this action, that really worked. How do you get some ideas to be moved to action points? Well, I'll answer it in two parts. One, being in the business for almost 45 years has allowed me a major advantage because I have seen it all, seen things that have worked in my own company, had the wonderful opportunity to meet probably 90% of the people that are in the room over time. Some are new faces recently. So I've gotten to know these people and how they work and how they participate in the industry. So I think that that's really important. As far as the subject matter goes and following up, what I do in between sessions, if you will, is do a little bit of homework on my own and determine where this needs to go, and are we really making any headway with this topic, whether it be supply chain? And as you also know, I send out articles that relate to some of this during the year so that they can read up. If I feel it's worthwhile and there's some information in there that they could use, I go ahead and forward the articles to this group. So it really isn't, how do I want to say this? It isn't like I want to repeat subjects. I'd like to think it would be all new, but realistically, we know that business is business. There are fundamentals, there are best practices, and I need to keep those on the agenda if I feel that it's still a topic for conversation. And I might shorten it, and I will always introduce some new topics. I think that's important too. One thing that I want to point out quickly is that as we move forward, I want to talk strategically a little more about their businesses. In other words, we talk about what happened yesterday, but let's start talking about what we can do about tomorrow. And that's a driver for all CEOs. And it's always been a driver for me. Let's put our thinking caps on and see what we can do about laying the foundation for some strategic moves in the future. You know, uh, you have touched on a lot of, I think, really important, important sort of ingredients for build, building a community with 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 industry colleagues you've talked about you know sort of planning what types of topics what types of participants do we want to have around the table you talked about you know one-on-one the importance of one-on-one follow-up you know between group meetings the importance of building trust and to foster the communication and uh, this has been really helpful for me to sort of get a behind-the-curtain, behind-the-scenes look at how you're building community to help the industry grow. So thank you so much, Tom, for joining me and letting our listeners know about how you're building community with industry colleagues. Thank you, Tom. Benno, it's a pleasure, and I want to make sure that people understand that we have had some discussion about future podcasts and bring people up to date as a whole industry. And I'm excited about it. I thank you for the time today. And I certainly thank you for all your expertise over the years and look forward to doing more. And one final thing, if folks wanted to get a hold of you or get in touch with you, do they do that by reaching out to you on LinkedIn or an email address? Or Well, I, LinkedIn is just fine, but I also, uh, my email is td at Ungrote, my last name, U-N-G-R-O-D-T dot com. And I don't need to necessarily uh, talk to you about Mission Possible. If you have a question 
about the industry. I love to chat. I like to talk about it. It's been my whole life. So those are two ways, uh, three ways with LinkedIn to get a hold of me anytime. Terrific. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Benno. And uh, if folks wanted to explore other growth topics, you can find me on our website, realignforresults.com, or just email Benno, B-E-N-N-O, at realignforresults.com. Thank you for listening, and keep growing. You can listen to more episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review it. Share it with your friends or colleagues if you enjoyed the content. Always growing.